Play. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. All right, guys, so we're back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM. The voice of Harlem. No, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. Here it goes. The white man has, has to correct you again. Um, So it's time to talk about some of the news stories of the week that either made us laugh, cry, or extremely irate. Or made us turn white. Or like Stanley, he was shit, now now shit, who is now a transracial man. Um, let's just start there. <laughs> Everyone has been tweeting, talking, and even laughing at the woman. Mostly uh, laughing. Yeah, mostly laughing for me too. Um, the woman who was a, a, one of the chapter leaders of the NAACP, and she's been fighting for civil rights for black people for at least the last decade she speaks on black issues all the time her children are black her ex-husband was black um and she was living her life as a black woman for at least the last 10 years if you look at her she looks either biracial or you know just very light or very fair-skinned black last 37 years right and it turns out her parents outed her as white and there's been such an outcry especially from like you know, there's, here's the thing. Some people are like, okay, this is silly. Why did she do that? Other people have been just blasting her and berating her for supposedly taking a real black woman's job or appropriating um, black culture and identifying and misrepresenting it and all these things. And I'm just like, I didn't take it that seriously. Fun. First of all, she looks she looks gorgeous as a black woman. If she wants to identify as a black woman and keep her hair curly and, and continue to go to the tanning beds so that her skin can remain like that caramel orange color, I think she looked really nice. I don't. I didn't see too much of a problem with it. If you guys did, and I think Stanley did, call us up two one two six five zero six nine zero three. Stop it. So here's my thing. Yes. I, I wasn't really offended by her being black. I thought it was hilarious. So. I think she's stupid, possibly, and so. like probably a little disturbed and needs some help because, like, who the hell chooses to be black with all the darnsons that- we go through? So, and like, but what what I had a problem with was two things. One, these hotep folk. The ones who, oh, stay woke, my brother. All of a sudden, they're saying, oh, why is, it, why is it okay for Caitlyn Jenner to become a woman? We can accept that, but it's not okay for her to become black. That's when I had the problem. Well, you know, I just want to jump in on that because, you know, all right, finish, finish, and then I'll jump in. So Okay, so that. And then also the fact that all of a sudden people were saying, oh, you shouldn't make fun of her because transracial is a thing. <laughs> no, and, and those are the two things that pissed me off. Is it a thing, Stanley? No. Oh, so well, you know, no, I, I mean, I just want to say, I, it's like offensive as somebody who fights for LGBT stuff for people to draw parallels like the, between tr- Bruce Jenner or, you know, now Caitlyn Jenner, uh, formerly Bruce Jenner. And, and this like it's to- totally different issues like in, and people are being like, oh, well, you know, like there's this comparison. No, there's not like people who are trans are suffering from gender dysphoria. Right. They're suffering from a medical condition where they're born into the wrong body, essentially. And people like this woman are not they're suffering from some kind of identity issue and it has nothing to do with a medical condition about being feeling that you're in the wrong body it's not it's just not they're too totally there's been several articles written on this and it's actually offensive to transgender people for people to make that comparison it's like very, completely completely well, offensive like if transracial is a thing i want to try it out you can't that's that that's, that's oh because i'm too dark yes and that's the that's the Tag, other piece of privilege within it because right. like that's right. another like people 
people people of color who pass, because some people are saying that's what was happening. And for those of you who don't know what passing is, I'm sure most of you do, it's something that happened, especially in the early 1900s, when a person of color who was of mixed race had enough features to pass as white would do so, so that they would have an easier time existing, because it was so racist. One of the most famous books that talks about passing is the autobiography of an ex-colored man, where he, he didn't even know he was black until sixth grade when his, when his teacher outed him. Mm. Right. Yes, and people did that because of the racial pressures of being black. This was not a thing you did because oh, I like trap music and dudes named Jaquan. <laughs> I mean, and then there's the other aspect of it. I mean, listen, I'm a civil rights lawyer, and you know, I fight and very, very much yes. for all different types of civil rights. And you know, like I, I listen to a lot of hip hop, and I appreciate back culture. But there's a difference between appreciate and appropriate, right? Those are, are two different things. Would you ever try being transracial or transcolor? I don't think Alyssa? transracial is actually a thing. <laughs> um, I mean, listen, it, it, there's a you know you have to be able to appreciate, like and recognize, like not recognize your privilege, and then right. work hard to fight the notions, yes. and you know, like I say, and to work and to be wanting to be part of the movement to help it move forward. Well, you know, no matter what color your skin is, if you're involved in the issues of or these kinds of civil rights issues, I think it takes it. You know, like I would never you know, like go this far because I think there's a, like I said, there's a difference between appreciation and wanting to do right and wanting to be part of this movement and then appropriation. And that's really a line that you shouldn't cross. But I I will say there was a, uh, this was really interesting conversation that I was reading where somebody who's black said she's more than welcome with open arms. Black is a state of mind, but she doesn't need to lie about it. She just needs to explain how she's black in spirit. Race is a social construct. It doesn't actually mean anything. The end date, and also the NAACP was started in part by some white folks. Um, And then, you know, this started a conversation that I'm not going to read you the whole thing, but essentially he ends by saying this woman was fighting for the good fight for equality and justice she wasn't dressing up in blackface uh, as if she was trying to be a mascot at a halloween party if she's identifies as black i'm cool with that only white folks have this weird thing about keeping their race pure it's effing That's weird true. i'm cool with everyone being black who wants to be i so agree with I that i disagree i've heard some black people say why are we allowing interracial mostly hotel people say <laughs> why are we allowing interracial love because you're, you're like poisoning the, the the bloodstream something like that but they're idiots so that, that's okay but and also who cares like the, the problem is is only the the trans like the transphobic comments that came out of this everything right. else should have just been a joke well a lot of people especially in the black community like dr mark lamont hill who is a prominent figure who speaks about civil rights mm-hmm. and black issues he was a lot of people were very offended and well, they spoke about it and they were like this is wrong well yeah i can see why, why they were offended absolutely because I can't. of this it is kind of offensive because it wasn't what to does me. what does black mean she got some she got some box braids and, no. and a tan and that was like that was her interpretation of black. Well, I mean, you're saying that she's just grabbing onto the black stereotypes. No, I no, I disagree. I don't think that she was surface level. I think that she definitely felt very connected, and I mm-hmm. feel like that the way she looked was a form of her artistic expression. Now, first of all, she looked but, good with the braids. Yeah, she did. And I, Yo, she did. She looked real though. cute Yo, with it. She looked real cute. So and what? Her <laughs> eyebrows was beat. To she the looked dogs. real. Yeah, she got that little <laughs> nose ring. I thought she was she was looking really nice. So I think that she was just expressing herself. I feel like look. It as a black woman, if I stop straightening my hair and I want to get an afro to show you who I am, that's just in a form of artistic expression. It does not take it, away or help or define my blackness. It happened. Yeah, no, it doesn't. You're right. 
But I think the reason that people are offended is because something I mentioned earlier. She has the choice to do that. If things get too thick, right. she can just call my hand and be like, hey, I'm <laughs> Becky. <laughs> yeah. I can't. Like, I've been joking around that right. my name is Chet, right. and my friends are laughing at me because they, friends have been telling me that I'm, I'm white, a white man in a black man's body for years because I like to ride my bike. I like 80s rock and, you know, all the other nonsense that I like. But, like, if I try to pull that in front of some cops, they'd be like, come here, Blackie. Yep. <laughs> but, like, I can't, I can't switch. I cannot switch. I can very easily still get shot for being black. You're right, Stanley. Even if your name is Chet. You know, and there's also the stereotype things that come along with it. I was actually on the Long Island Railroad last night, and there was these two people who I will call white trash, although there's probably <laughs> well, there's probably better adjectives for them. And you they, think about a better one. They <laughs> were having a huge fight on the train, right? A huge fight. And one of the girls was drunk, and they were screaming at each other, and it was like her mother, and she was cursing at her. It was like crazy. I wanted to video the whole thing. By the All time stars. I pulled out the phone, it was like a little too late. They had calmed down a little bit. But I I kept thinking in my head, like, if these two women were not white women, right, and they were having this fight, like, would the cops have gotten on this train? Would they have stopped the train? Would the conductors come and have kicked this off? And, like, the entire time throughout the whole entire fight, I was thinking in my head how the whole reason why they were able to basically air all their dirty laundry on the Long Island Railroad and nobody said anything to them was because they were white and nobody wanted to be like, ladies, you have to step off this train right now. But if they were not white that maybe the situation or the scenario would have been completely if it was different. If Shatisha instead of Becky and, and, and Biff it would have been different. And then people would have filmed it and put it up on the internet and said, things like, and said things like, look at these black people acting all crazy on the Long Island Railroad. Look at these animals. Right, exactly. We, so we like that's, that's the bigger that's the bigger picture conversation. Speaking, speaking of, of crazy, animals. Oh, oh, so speaking of animals and crazy white people. Um, so in California, as you know, there's been a really big drought. And, you know, people have been told that they need to ration their water usage. And apparently this is creating an uproar in Orange County. And in some of the rich upper class, I'll go with mostly white, but not all white neighborhoods, because as we know, a lot of times there's issues that cross race boundaries and they become more class issues where you have rich black and white people who are occupying a similar space um, at a similar point. Although I presume most of the people living in these neighborhoods are, in fact, white Um Anyways, so these people are complaining about the uh, the water rationing bill, and they are angry because they are saying they are being unfairly penalized. And then they asked about what are they supposed to do about their horses? Like, they're not going to be able to... F- give their horses water. And so I mentioned this to Selena and to Stanley. And of course, Stanley got right away what was going on, that this was like a huge issue of privilege of more rich people being like, why do I have to follow the rules? Why do the rules apply to me? And I shouldn't have to follow them. And Selena was like, but what about the horses? (laughs) I had a legitimate concern. I I had a legitimate concern about the horses. And Alyssa's absolutely right. That was my reaction. I do get the larger picture, but I do think that the horses need to survive too. Alyssa made a a good point by saying with natural selection, they should be able to find their own water or or die, I think. No, I'm not trying to be like anti. I love animals and I particularly like horses. But, you know, at the same time, I think the issue isn't necessarily about the animals. The issue is about rich people constantly thinking that they can flout the rules or that the rules don't apply with them, and then claiming that they're being persecuted or unfairly penalized because they can't have grass around their 600 acres <laughs> while a, poor people in Compton are like, oh my God, I need some water. As a white man, I will say that we white people love our dogs more than horses, so I'm okay with this. But I want to 
shift gears now. I want to follow up with the McKinley story in which the police officer did a mighty morphing Power Ranger somersault. The barrel roll. Yes, pulled the gun out on two unarmed black kids and then swanton bombed and dived and digged his knee into the back of a 14-year-old black girl after pulling her hair and slamming her head into the ground. After all sorts of outrage, obviously, because this does not make any kind of sense in any world, he chose to resign. And everyone in the world was saying, oh, my God, this is progress. He resigned. This shows that people care about race. Let me tell you something. This is stupid. This is not progress. <laughs> this, is no, this is nothing helpful. And I'm going to explain to you why right now. This cop came through while another cop was being reasonable and having a reasonable conversation with these reasonable teenagers. He slammed the girl. 14-year-old girl in a bikini to the ground, grabbed her head, slammed her head to the ground, dug his knee into her back. When two of her friends went to go help her, he pulled out his gun to go shoot them because blackity black black. And then went back to the girl, put his knee in her back again. Let me tell you something. When I was 16 years old, I worked in Breezy Point. You know what that is? It's in white. That's where it is. <laughs> yeah. And I was a lifeguard. If something like that would have happened to freaking Becky or Willow or Winsong or whatever white people are naming their kids now, that cop would not have had a chance to resign. He would have been fired. At this moment, that McKinley cop gets to keep his pension. He gets to keep his pension. He's probably getting severance pay. And, oh, he's leaving the town because he does not feel safe in the town. That's right. He does not feel safe in the town. Meanwhile, that 14-year-old girl who had a knee put in her back and that kid who got arrested for protecting her, no apologies to them. Mm. Actually, the chief of police said they should have trainings for people in the community on how to deal with the cops because not doing anything wrong and then screaming for your mother when a cop puts his knee in your back makes you the problem. Mm. And it once again shows the gross amount of privilege because I promise you, this would not happen in Breezy Point. This would not happen in the Hamptons. This would not happen on the Upper East Side where kids are high on coke and getting weed deliveries and mouthing off the cops every single day. And if you want to see some equality, how about we go put a foot on the back of his daughter and then tell him it was her fault. Mm. Well, did you see the guy who was like, well, if it was my daughter, then I wouldn't have been okay with that. And then he was like, but... And then Larry Wilmore. Did anybody catch Larry Wilmore? He was like, there's... I think it was Larry Wilmore. I don't know. Some comedian was like, there's no but. There is no but. But if right. you caught Larry Wilmore, another big point that he was making was he kept pointing out like that big, fat, white dude that yes, was like... the creepy one. Around, who just decided yeah. to like deputize himself and like push two of the black girls yeah. off? Like, did you catch that? Part? Yeah. I thought he was anyway, undercover cop. So anyways, Larry Wilmore was like, oh, this guy was like, let me wander outside my house because all that stuff I keep seeing going on on TV, I can just wander outside because it's going on outside. I want to have a front row seat to the degrading of the Negro. That's what Larry Wilmore no, said no, that it, guy was doing out there. I wish I could what, say what I thought right what, now. But what I'm really got me was just the advocacy around Officer McKinley. There was just one woman who spoke out who who claimed to have been there but had a completely contrary um testimony to what was going on in the video she was like the um the the, the children were attacking the police officer from behind. He was right to pull a gun out. He was right to un um to disarm that the black the little black girl in a bikini. Um, she should have listened. And I'm like, when I watched the video, I saw her already on the ground. 
I saw him pick her back up, turn her around on her back. I heard uh, and then put his knees. I heard him say, stop fighting. I heard her say, I'm not fighting. I heard another person, a witness say she's not fighting. And I just heard all of this, ex- saw and heard all of this excessive force. What I, this white woman who is advocating for the police officer, I don't know what she's on, but I think that they're just all really afraid of little black children. Uh, you know, and uh, I don't know if this is the same black, uh, the same white woman who like started this whole thing, but that's another oh, thing that yeah. people, this whole thing starts because some racist white woman has the audacity to tell these kids that they're not supposed to be at the pool. Meanwhile, these kids all have pool passes, right? Yes, one of the girls invited her friends to go to a barbecue, but they all lived in this town. They all had passes to go to this pool. And so they came to this birthday party, and one of these crazy racist white ladies has the audacity to say to one of these children, child, why don't you go back to your Section 8 housing, which is like the most extremely racist thing to say to somebody, and especially to a child. And that's what so that's what really starts the fight to begin with. Then the cops come and then they beat up the 14 year old black kids instead of hara- instead of going to arrest the wo- the white woman who started the fight, who also allegedly may have slapped slapped a black girl across she the did face, who, who which that could be considered a hate crime. Mm. So you don't arrest the white woman who's being racist, saying racist things and committing a hate crime. But you show up and you throw 14 year old black girl on the floor and then pull a gun. Pull a gun to the, you see the other two cops? They were like, whoa, 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 man. They were like, you you, you got to put that gun away, man. You got to chill it down. Chill it down. Can I just close it out with this? So that officer who resigned all that progress, guess what? He can go be a cop somewhere else. Yep. I hope he pistol whips someone's white kid. And then let's talk about how he was being rightful in his actions. On that note, we do have to take a quick break, but the conversation will continue. We'll be talking about why black girls' lives matter with a very special guest. Her name is Tiffany L. Gill. Um, Right after this break, we'll get to her, so stay tuned. Sorry, this put me in such a bad mood. I need some trap music to get my mood back up. Oh, God. It's for you, black (laughs) girls. You're my trap queen. Can I get some chicken Stanley, fried I'm gonna, rice? I'm going to let you finish. Oh, I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to see you in the streets, Alyssa. Freestyle rap time. Tic-tac-toe. But, I saw a fly. But Beyonce had the best, best album of all time. <laughs> Whatever. So we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM. WHCR, the voice of Harlem. 
things were getting aggressive in here, so we had to put on <laughs> Trap Queen to relax our souls. Our souls are relaxed right now. Well, not Selena. She went to go join the Black Panther. She's buying a gun as we speak. She is no longer on the show. She's going to walk around Texas. She's got that shirt on. It says, Asada taught me. Yeah, Asada. <laughs> <laughs> free, free Big Meech. Like, that's how <laughs> Selena's down with the fold now, guys. And if you are just tuning in, we have had an amazing show. We talked about Khalif Bowden, who was in prison for three years because of a stolen book bag they could not prove he had. He committed suicide three years after he was finally released from prison. And we talked about the prison industrial system and the over 400 people in New York right now locked up at Rikers with no trial for more than six months. Yes, that is actually a thing that is happening. Then we moved on to the news roundup, and we talked about that amazing black woman whose name <laughs> sorry, what? whose name is Rachel. Oh, um, she's not well. Yeah, she's on. not really black. She, but can we call? Because if she identifies with black, and she says I'm black, what are we supposed to refer her as? I don't know. <laughs> what, I, I, this is really complicated. I don't know. Selena. We don't. We should ask our guests because we're yes. going to be talking about how black women's lives matter in the next segment. So maybe yes. our guest, even has, if they're not really black, right? Yeah. Maybe <laughs> our guest has some opinions on this that she could help us out. That is really weird. I mean, even Dominic, Dominicans don't want to be black, and they are black. And exactly. we got this woman who's not, like not all of them. There are light skinned Dominicans too. Yes. No, they're Mo- like, like about BNA black. But anyways, right. okay, I see what yeah. you're saying. But um, anyways. Where was I? All right. So then we also talked about the officer who swan Tom bond, a 14-year-old girl, and got to resign because he felt his life was in danger and keep his pension and go be a racist cop somewhere else. And we'd say, I say all of this to bring us to where we are now. Black women matter. So if you have been watching the news for the last year and a half, or if you've been watching the news at any time in the world, at any place, and we are talking about social, social issues, this is the way that the ranking of issues has always ranked. White people issues, white man issues, white man issues, white man issues, white man issues, white woman issues. And now white man issues, white man issues, white man issues, white woman issues, gay white man issues, gay white man issues, gay white woman issues, white man issues, and the rest of them. And now in this past year, as we've seen more video footage of people of color being killed by police officers or vigilantes or vigilante police officers like that time where they shot 137 bullets into a car. And one cop was so afraid for his life, he jumped on top of the hood (laughs) of the car and shot 46 more rounds because he didn't know if the Negroes were going to jump out of the window with their super Negro powers and kill them. And that cop got the walk. So. While these things are happening, we still seem to have a problem acknowledging and respecting and speaking up and fighting for the issues of women of color. Not just any kind of women of color, but black women. I'll give you two recent examples. Rakia Boyd, who was killed by a police officer who feared for his life, which is why he took his gun from, from sitting inside of his car, took his gun out and shot from them as they were walking away from him because he was so afraid. She died. The cop that killed her walked. There was a protest scheduled on Earth Day for her death. A hundred people showed up at Union Square. Any other time there's a protest for Trayvon Martin or Brendan, uh, um, Jordan Davis or any other man of color who has been killed by police violence or anyone killed by police violence, Union Square is packed to the brim. It was a bit rainy, but still, only a hundred people showed up. In Texas, where you have psychotic people running the government, running for governor, where you had Wendy Davis running against Paul Abbott, and they were talking about it was so important for women to go out and vote. When Wendy Davis lost the election because she ran a I won't say that. I have friends who worked on the campaign. Who She ran an unsuccessful campaign. They blame black people, particularly black women, even though black women came out in higher numbers than white women. White women were the ones that voted against their actual needs. Another problem. And then 
my favorite one. This happened at one of these white people award shows, the Grammys or the Oscars. <laughs> I forgot one which one. Patricia Arquette goes up there and she talks about equal pay. Applause to her. And then she says the blacks and the gays have to start standing up for everyone else. What? <laughs> Very confusing, ignoring the fact that even though white women get paid 71 cents on every dollar, black women get paid 62 cents. And I may be a little bit off on that number. Forgive me if I am for every dollar. Yes, it is that bad. And whenever we bring up a topic about black women, we know that they are the most, according to research and polls, the most unattractive of all the women in the races because people have actually said that. We know that there's all sorts of issues that black women deal with particularly. So now all women deal with street harassment, but come to East New York, Women, black women deal with street harassment. And when we try to talk about these issues, people kind of just gloss over it and say, yeah, that's not really a serious thing. And they don't want to pay attention to it. So now, because this issue is important and everyone in this studio believes that black women not only matter, but they are also magic and they also freaking rock. We have with us an amazing guest. Her name is Tiffany L. Gill, and she's an expert on self-esteem and empowerment, a dynamic writer, a speaker, and passionate advocate for women and girls. She launched Black Girls Unscripted, a documentary and social campaign, which you guys need to check out, and it's to help challenge perceptions, raise awareness, and transform lives. The documentary explores the lives of dynamic teen girls of color as they defy popular cultural stereotypes and pursue their dreams. And if there's one group of people who we need to be putting in the spotlight and giving a voice and making sure they have a place in this space it is black women so tiffany thank you so much for tuning in and how are you doing today i'm great i'm great thank you for having me hi tiffany Tiffany. hold on you had some brunch already i'm sorry did you get brunch already i did not i had (laughs) coffee though girl what's going on you ain't get no brunch <laughs> Stanley loves brunch. Like you know what I love about brunch? The alcohol portion of it. So Oh, uh, okay. I love it. I love it. What's your favorite drink to get during brunch? Well, you know, I guess I'm pretty standard, the mimosas. The mimosas. I like to get the blinis because I think it's classy. So okay. I, I get those. But Tiffany, we're not here to talk about brunch or banana <laughs> batter pancakes or bellinis or mimosas. We're here to talk about Black Girls Matter. So to start this conversation off, I would actually like to let the listeners know a little bit more about your documentary. Tell us about Black Girls Unscripted. Yeah. So so Black Girls Unscripted is, is currently in production. It's a documentary, as you mentioned in the uh, intro. We, we decided that um, our girls need a, a platform. Uh, to tell their stories and in ways that are varied and diverse that sort of speak to who we are as a people. Um, so that's what the documentary will do. We have um, six amazing girls who will be telling their very unique stories. Um, they're in Baltimore, New York, Chicago, uh, where we'll be filming. Um, and we're just pretty excited. In addition to the documentary, we have um, listening sessions that are going on in various cities. We have a grassroots movement, uh, grassroots campaign focused on highlighting all the things wonderful about black girls and black women. We have a vibrant Facebook page and community that's committed to storytelling. So the documentary is in production. We're hoping to wrap it up by the end of summer um, and get it out to the public, fingers crossed, uh, in January 2016. Well, okay, I'm a little confused, Tiffany, because you guys have Love and Hip Hop, you have um, Bad Girls Club, and you also have um, Single Ladies. Don't black women have enough positive depictions on television already? <laughs> Assuming that those you named were positive. So so that's, you know, that's that's always a, a, an interesting question. Um, no, we don't have enough, firstly, uh, and particularly if you look at, at what 
the landscape looks like for uh, our peers, right? So on every station, every network, uh, there are always stories that are diverse that show uh, non-black women or, or people, uh, non-people of color who are in um, a variety of roles, and we don't have that. The image of black women in media is very narrow, um, and not only is it narrow, it's limited to only a few networks. So uh, it's not enough. It's never enough. But what we're also saying is that we don't have to rely on mainstream media. We don't have to rely on television. There are other platforms to tell our stories, and I think we have enough. Um, Issa Rae is the first person who comes to mind. My hero. Uh, enough examples of what you can do um, outside of mainstream, outside of the television platform, uh, of the ways that we can tell our stories digitally and, um, and and in a powerful way. And she has done some pretty amazing things starting right there. Thank you very much, Flat. So, guys, if you are just tuning in, the number is 212-650-6903. Again, that number is 212-650-6903. Or you can tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio or hit us up on Facebook at Politically Preposterous or, of course, on Facebook.com slash Let Your Voice Be Heard Radio. And we are talking about why black women matter. And at the moment, we are talking about why black women matter in the media. And the question that I want to ask for you, because Issa Rae is someone who I adore and I watch all of the Awkward Black Girl seasons one and two and her Ratchet Peace Theater, which is the greatest thing since mm-hmm. Hennessy with apple juice. <laughs> I want to ask you is like, there's why did.